This spring, 72 of the best amateurs in the world were invited to compete in the Augusta National Women's Amateur. And while only one player left as champion, every player in the field treasured their time in Augusta and the experience of a lifetime. These are their magnolia memories. And this is a special presentation from the back of the range. And now your host, Ben Adelberg. Welcome again to this special presentation here at the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. In the past, after a champion has been crowned at a major amateur championship, I'll invite them to join me on the podcast to discuss their start in the game and their experience capturing a prestigious trophy. I did that after the U.S. Amateur when I spoke with Tyler Strafacci and James Pyatt, did it at the Western Amateur with champions like Pearson Cooney and Michael Thorbjornsson, and last summer, one of my favorite discussions of 2021 was with the U.S. Women's Amateur Champion, Jensen Castle. But for the Augusta National Women's Amateur, I wanted to bring you more than one perspective, more than one voice. In my conversations with multiple players in the field, I've learned that the tournament's meaning and significance varied from player to player. That being said, the Augusta National Women's Amateur was more than just identifying the eventual winner with the lowest score at the end of play. There were plenty of first-timers this year that should contend in the future. There are also some first-timers that likely made this year's ANWA the final chapter in their amateur career. There were Curtis Cuppers from both the U.S. and the GB&I side collegiate All-Americans, and even perhaps some lifelong amateurs that will target an invite to the Augusta National Women's Amateur for the foreseeable future. While the majority of the focus was on the players, what about the caddies, coaches, friends, and parents of these amateurs? What about their perspective? Imagine being a coach watching one of your players that you may have worked with since they picked up a club go for the green in two on the 13th hole at Augusta National Golf Club. How would you handle watching your daughter grinding away on the back nine to make the cut or to make history? In this three-part series, you're going to hear from players, coaches, caddies, and parents. They were all gracious enough to share their experiences from the 2022 Augusta National Women's Amateur. These are their Magnolia memories. As you all know by now, this was my first time at Augusta National as a credentialed member of the media. It was an honor to be there, and getting to work in the media center at Champions Retreat and Augusta National Golf Club was incredible. Working alongside the best journalists in golf and also with the staff at Augusta National Golf Club. As you might well imagine, the staff was incredible. They covered every base you could possibly imagine, always there to answer questions. Really created a smooth and seamless method to cover the best amateurs in the world. So while I was a little bit starry-eyed coming through the gates, I couldn't have been the only one, right? Fortunately, I found out that a familiar face was a rookie just like me. Adam Woodard is the college and amateur golf reporter for Golf Week. He's a graduate of George Mason University, and apparently he's the pride of Wadsworth, Ohio. Now, Adam, one of the more popular pieces of social media content leading up to ANWA is when we see all the players pose with their invitations that they got in the mail. We, as members of the media, don't receive the same beautiful invitations, but I do distinctly remember when that gorgeous FedEx envelope arrived on my door and the return address said Augusta National Golf Club. Now, 
I don't know how long you knew that you'd be covering the tournament on site for golf week. Perhaps you thought it was a done deal. But for me, I needed to have that press badge in my hand before I could really believe I was going to Augusta National. What was your immediate reaction? Ben, it's funny you phrase it that way because sure, did I have a little bit of certainty that, you know, I had applied for my credential and that I, I thought I was going sure, but it, it never really felt real. You know, it always felt like as a kid, you know, we grew up watching the Masters. You know, everyone's dream if you're if you're involved in golf or you love golf is you want to go to Augusta National. You want to go to the Masters. And it, it didn't really feel real until, like you said, you know, I, I walked in the door. I see that big envelope. I thought, okay, my mom might have sent me something. And then I see, nope, it might be better than than even something from my mom. I love mom. I love you. I love getting gifts from you. But when I get a package from Augusta National, you know, that's 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 pretty cool itself. But yeah, just I I couldn't get up to my apartment fast enough to open it up. And you know, when when I saw the credential, I, you know, I saw the welcome note and all that. It's just 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 this wave of just just you know happiness and, and jubilance just washed over me. I I almost couldn't believe it was real. I, I literally did. I know people say like, you know, pinch myself to make sure I did pinch myself to make sure that I wasn't dreaming. That's a very real thing that happened. Uh, but yeah, immediately, you know, took a picture of it, sent it to mom and dad saying, you know, oh my gosh, this is actually real. I'm actually getting to do this. So it's, I mean, I felt, you know, probably just as, just as happy, just as much happiness as the girls did when they pulled their invitation, when they get their invitations as well. And honestly, I, one of my favorite parts of you know, the live the lead up to the ANWA is seeing, you know, all the invitations go out. We do a story on it every year, you know, like a running tally of, you know, the girls sharing on Instagram or Twitter that they get their invitations and just, you know, how happy they are and how excited they are. You know, that's what makes this event so awesome is that there's just so much anticipation built up for it. And it's, it, it was really, really incredible to be a part of. And uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I was I was just blown away when I got that 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 piece in the mail from Augusta National. Now, just like myself, we're covering collegiate and amateur golf all year long. Whether you know mm-hmm. the, the players are in school and they're playing, you know, uh, collegiate events or conference or you know national championship, obviously is coming up soon, or the summer of endless amateur events. There's mm-hmm. so many storylines that we were both probably thinking about, I wonder how this is going to play out. And is this player going to going to challenge? Was there one storyline that maybe you had? in your head that you were thinking of, I want to see how this plays out. I want to see, uh, I want to see how this occurs at Augusta national. I think for me, it was the, the one thing I was really looking forward to was all the three timers that were going to be there. Cause that, I mean, that is such an exclusive club. You know, this was the third playing of the ANWA, uh, you know, and they obviously didn't have it in, in 2020. So, you know, for them to be able to come back and for a lot of the three timers to go back, I thought that was so cool. That is such an exclusive club. And obviously, you know, some of them are going to be played out. But for for a player like, you know, Beatrice Vallon from Florida State, three annual appearances in the first three years, three top tens. That is just an incredible thing. And I was really looking forward to see if she was going to be able to pull it off. And, you know, sure enough, she did. Obviously, I'm sure she didn't play the way that she wanted to down the stretch on Saturday. But to log three top tens at Augusta National in your first three appearances there, like pros don't do that. And I know it's not set up the same way for the pros as it is for the girls. And I know that they only play out there for the one official round, but my gosh, I mean, to, to be able to go out there and accomplish something like that, I thought that was just one of the coolest, probably most unreported stories that we had out there this week. Obviously a lot of people wanted to talk about Anna Davis, the 16 year old winning. I mean, that was an, an incredible way for her to go without shoot under par at Augusta national and kind of, you know, fight her way to get that title. But not enough can be said about, you know, how hard Beatrice played the, the, the last three times that she's been out there. Man, I thought that was just so cool. I couldn't even fathom, you know, finishing top 10 there once, let alone going back, doing it again, and then doing it again after that. I mean, that was just one of the things that, that really stuck out to me, obviously, aside from, you know, all the, the, the great 72 players out there. Yeah. But just 
just there were just Ben. There's so much talent in that field. I mean, you know it. You see it. You were out there. Every single one of those girls thought they could win. It was just it's such a cool event. It's such a cool experience. I cannot say it enough. If you can get out there, if you can get out to Champions Retreat, if you can find a way to get there, just being able to take all of that in, it was it was just so cool. So, so cool. And, and I'm glad you brought up Champions Retreat because, you know, we spent a couple of days there. You know, obviously mm-hmm. people listening, I'm sure they know, but first two rounds are played there. Everyone gets an opportunity to play a practice round at Augusta National, but the 30 that make the cut, 30 on the dot that make the cut after two rounds, get to play that, that final round, that final competitive round on Saturday. Mm-hmm. A lot of the top names did not make the cut. And while yeah. everyone going in is eyeing their chance to play at Augusta National, you have to navigate Champions Retreat. And that was kind of one of the underlying kind of storylines that I kind of saw is that it is probably the greatest challenge because it's a course that doesn't have a lot of history. You can't pull up anything televised and get a feel for that place. What did you see out of Champions Retreat that seemed to cause? the most issues, which these players, many of them are going to need to figure out a way to tackle next year. For sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, champion, not, not against, nothing against champions retreat. It's obviously no Augusta national, but it's, but it's not, it's not an easy, it's not an easy track in its own right with the three, nine holes that they have there. And I think they played the Island and the bluff nines, uh, for, for, for this event, but they, they changed the greens up this year and every single girl that, that, that we talked to that was out there, I mean, they made those greens a lot more firm, a lot more fast, and it was a lot, a lot more difficult to to, to hold those shots because they changed up the they changed up the grass out there, and I think that tripped up a lot of them. Even the girls that have been out there, you know, for you know once already or twice already, you know, it still took them a little bit of while. So I couldn't even imagine the first timers that were out there, you know, seeing the condition that those greens were in. And we had some, you know, obviously aside from the the long weather delay, the, those first couple of days out there were, were were really nice, and they got a they got to see it at its at, at at its best. And I guess for them, they're worse for how for how windy and how tough it was out there some of the times, but. I mean, Champions Retreat is no easy is no easy course to tackle. But you know, once they started getting out there, once they kind of softened up a little bit, they they did some damage out there on that on that course too. But man, those greens were just were were very very difficult. And even some of them said, you know, with how with how firm and fast that they were, it, it gave them a little bit of a a little bit of an eye to see what it was going to be like out at Augusta National. Obviously, they're they're not the same greens, but you know, just as, as far as the the speed and how. Um, and how firm they were, you know, I, I don't just watching some of the shots that didn't hold you thinking, oh, that's a good shot, you know, leaving it, you know, five yards or five feet in front of the pin. And then it just rolls off the back because they can't hold it. Yeah. It's just it's it's just it was that hard and it played that difficult for them. So and for, for the girls to be out there to be even near par, I mean, par was a great score out there. So just being able to to, to tackle those greens, I thought was a was was a real uh, a real challenge in itself, let alone having to go out to Augusta National and play 18 holes for a championship after that. I'll be talking to several players in the field throughout this episode, you know, some that made Mm -hmm. the cut, some that didn't, but everyone in that field, um, I think had their own special Anwa moment, um, and something that stood out to them forever. I know it's hard to pick just one of these moments, Adam, but if you had to pick out your special Anwa moment in your first experience as a credentialed member of the media for the Augusta National Women's Amateur, um, what was your, do you have an Anwa moment? I do. And it was a, it was a pretty special one for me. So, you know, my, my lay, uh, you know, my late grandpap, he, you know, he loved the masters. He thought Amen Corner was just one of the most beautiful places. So, you know, as soon as we could get out on the course on Saturday, I got there as soon as we could, you know, spend about five or 10 minutes on the range, talking to some players, talking to some parents and coaches that I knew were going to be there. 
And then I immediately booked it. You know, the sun wasn't, hadn't risen yet. I immediately booked it out to Amen Corner. Didn't go anywhere else. Didn't even go to the merch tent. I was immediately out to Amen Corner. And I then I sat there for a good 25 to 30 minutes and just watched the sunrise. And it was a, it was a near, a, a near spiritual experience for me out there. It was just so cool to, to be able to take it all in, you know, look at all the other patrons who were out there taking their pictures, you know, you know, breathing it all in and, it was it was just such a cool experience to just go and just sit there and you know experience it firsthand for the first time because like I had said earlier you know it's it's something that I've been looking forward to for a very very long time once I joined Golf Week in 2019 you know I was praying and hoping that I would get to come out and cover this event so I could go out to Augusta National and, and when it finally happened I, I knew for a fact that's the that's the first place I wanted to go and just sitting there for 30 minutes watching the sunrise over Amen Corner it sounds so so cheesy and nerdy but man it was. It was just such a cool experience, and I kind of got to take it in. Thought about my grandpa for a while, and uh, it was just—it it was a great way to start the event. And then after that, the girls didn't disappoint. They went out and played some amazing golf at one of the most difficult and most famed courses in the world. And it was that—that that entire day is one that, uh, that that I will not forget. You know, when Adam told me how he spent his first morning at Augusta National Golf Club catching a sunrise at Amen Corner. I was a little jealous and uh, and made a mental note that I would need to accomplish that next year. So we heard from someone in the media making their first trip to Augusta. What about one of the players that received that coveted invitation to participate for the first time at the Augusta National Women's Amateur? The World Amateur Golf Ranking is a good indicator as to whether or not a player would receive an invite to the Augusta National Women's Amateur. Some were expecting the invitation. Others were on the bubble and didn't know if they would qualify. Michael O'Berry is a fifth-year senior at Auburn University and was fortunate enough to receive an invite this year. Michael, was there anything you did to increase your chances to elevate your ranking, perhaps, to get into the field this year? Yeah, so this is always, as soon as they announced the tournament, I guess three years ago, this has always been one of my big goals is to make it here. I've had couple teammates playing it the past few years so there's something special that I wanted to wanted to be a part of before I left my left Auburn and so I knew I was close on the Wagger rankings um so I had a conversation with my coach I guess the end of last fall season and I decided to play a tournament at the end of December the Patriot America out in Arizona and I knew it would kind of either really help me or really hurt me, but that was a chance I was willing to take. And I ended up playing really well out there. And I think that kind of pushed me over the edge for the for the ranking side of it. So, I, like I said, I knew it was going to be close. And then to find out two weeks after that that I got in was a pretty cool moment. Tied for seventh at that Patriot All-America. So, yeah, top ten absolutely helped your cause. When you yeah. actually get the invitation in the mail, I mean, you, you know what it is. It's a big, huge envelope. It, it, they're not sending <laughs> something that big to say, sorry, uh, better luck next time. But <laughs> yeah. when, when you get that, first of all, did you get it in the mail? Did it go to your parents? Like, walk me through when that shows up. <laughs> yeah, so it actually went to my parents' house in Birmingham, okay. um, which I, I knew would happen because I filled out the form already a couple months ago and I did put that address on it just because I trust it more than my old one. Exactly. Yeah. So it went to my parents and I mean, she FaceTimed me as soon as it came in the mail, I got like a UPS tracking email and from Augusta national golf club. And I figured that was the only thing it could be. So uh -huh. I kind of knew it was on the way. Um, 
but she, my mom actually had to work that afternoon. So, but she drove up to Auburn the very next morning and I got to open it there. So it was, it was pretty neat. That's awesome. Yeah. That's one of the, my most favorite uh, pieces of social media content leading into the ANWA is seeing all the yeah. players do their obligatory pose with the, with the invite. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Obviously your level of excitement to play in the championship, but we just talked about your parents. I mean, were they able to come off of cloud nine? I mean, think about your, I mean, your parents bragging on you to everyone that they've ever talked to ever. I mean, what, what was the experience like for your parents from your perspective? Oh my gosh. It was cool. I think they enjoyed it. If it's even possible more than me. Right. Um, it's my dad is, he was a big golfer growing up. So, I mean, you always dream of getting to walk the fairway of Augusta national with your, with your daughter being able to play it, you know? So it was cool to be able to experience it with them. And I mean, like you said, they tell everyone they come into contact with, which um, it's, it's sweet. I like it. Um, But it was just so cool being able to share that experience with them and get to kind of see their point of view from it. And I don't know, I think it meant a lot to them. So it's glad to be able to, to do that. Who, uh, who held it together the best, your mom or your dad? Oh gosh. Honestly, they both held it together pretty well. My mom, she, she's never, she was not a big golfer. She's a real estate agent. No, not really athletic. Um, but she, it's funny, actually, we were driving over for the practice round and I finished my second round that, that morning super early. So we were up at like four 30 and we got on the buses to go play our practice round and we turn in down Magnolia lane and I look over at my mom and her eyes are closed. She had fallen asleep and I like hit her and I was like, mom, wake up. I was like, this is the best part. <laughs> so she knows the history of Augusta, but she doesn't, she doesn't quite know it like my dad. Um, but they both honestly held it together pretty well. I, I think that is the only time I've ever heard of anyone taking a little, little snooze <laughs> on their way down Magnolia lane. But, uh, I know. that's, that's awesome. Um, one of the great things about this championship, obviously there's, there's the play and the experience on the golf course, but there's so many things off the golf course as well. The chairman's dinner, this is really your first experience being on property at Augusta national, You've been to a lot of dinners through through the years, you know, USG, you know, USGA, collegiate, uh, you know, sponsor dinners. There's always something going on outside of the tournament itself. Um, is there a way you can bring us inside of this chairman's dinner just to kind of illustrate just the unique and exclusive atmosphere that you were able to take part of? Yeah, I mean, I think this dinner kind of takes the cake of all the ones I've been to before. Oh, it's there just- was there was cake. There was cake. Um, there was not cake. Oh. There was creme brulee, which maybe even better. Oh, that does sound good. This one's at the top of my list for sure. I mean, the animal committee in Augusta National does such a great job of making every player just feel so special. And that was not taken away from it all there. I mean, you pull up down Magnolia Lane, there are people greeting you when you get off the bus and just being able to walk into that member's member's dining room with your your name on a place card and it's just I mean you can't really describe it it's unreal and being able to sit with you know players that I've grown up playing with but haven't seen in a long time like specifically I got to sit next to Rachel Heck who I've known forever but with her being out in California you know I don't get to see her much anymore so it was just so much fun to sit around and talk with members and some of the sponsors and then some of the girls that you're playing alongside that week it was just absolutely incredible the food can't beat it that was the best part (laughs) 
were, were there aspects of the the evening where perhaps you got I'm not sure if they gave you a tour of the clubhouse or you got to check out different things but was there a area in that clubhouse where you were like man if they could just give me just maybe another 15 or 20 minutes just to kind of walk around or look at this or fully examine the history was there any aspect of it where you where you were thinking to yourself I wish I had a little bit more time here yeah so in the first part of the member dining room when you first walk in they have all these pictures hanging with all sorts of descriptions from past history at the masters and you know you're kind of you're waiting to get in the table so you just kind of walk on by but I think definitely if we had some more time I would sit there and read through those um just to kind of really get a feel of all of the history and kind of see all the things come to life that you've watched on tv your whole life now back to the course like I said, you're no stranger to playing amateur events at the highest level, but I would have to imagine that even players like, you know, Rachel Heck and, and, you know, fellow players in the SEC that you've, you've played tons of tournaments with. Did you feel just a different vibe? Did you look over at players that maybe, you know, Oh, she's very lighthearted. She's, she can be a little bit, um, you know, relaxed, but now, Oh wow. She has a different look on her face. Did you notice a different vibe? Yeah, I think definitely there's a different vibe. I mean, it's so different in college golf. You're traveling with your team, doing everything with your team. And to be able to see players in their environment when it's an individual tournament, I mean, we only really get that in the in the summer when you play college golf. Um, so just, I mean, there were people that I would never actually met, but obviously heard the name and just getting a chance to talk with them. I mean, there's such incredible people. And just being able to see all of these, you know, top, five, 10 amateur player ranks in the world, seeing how they practice and they prepare. I mean, it was, it was a really cool, really cool thing to be a part of. If you had to pick one personal special and moment, whether it's a dinner, whether it's on the golf course, whether it's the practice round, can you pick just one? Is there one that stands out in your memory? I would say probably the chairman's dinner. I mean, it was just, just so special being able to you know, walk out on the back patio where all the umbrellas are and kind of take it all in before the before the crowds got there. Um, you kind of feel like you're the only one out there. And just being able to relax and hang out with all those girls that, you know, maybe you don't get to see all the time. I think that was kind of the moment that I would say that put me back here. You know, that was really special. And now that you've had a little bit of time to reflect, you know, I, I can't help but bring up the fact that, you know, you're, like I said, you're a fifth year senior and you know, whether or not you decide to turn professional at some point, your collegiate eligibility is coming to a close uh, this spring. You won't have collegiate events to help, you know, bolster a, a WAGGER ranking to, to, you know, keep you up at the top of a ranking to make you eligible. This very well may be your one and only opportunity to play in the Augusta National Women's Amateur. Have you reflected back on that as, as possibly the, the perfect finale of your amateur career? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty hard to beat. I um, obviously thought of that going into it, that this could be my, you know, one and only. Right. It, was my, it was my goal to play that tournament ever since they announced it. So I think being able to accomplish that and, you know, get to play in that event was kind of the cherry on top if I ever don't get to go back. But um, I think it's a pretty good way to cap it off, I will say. Couldn't agree with you more, Michael. And as a fifth-year senior... She has a postseason to look forward to at Auburn, but also she can walk away knowing that she accomplished her goal of participating in at least one Augusta National Women's Amateur. Okay, so we've talked to a first-timer. Let's up the ante a little bit more. How about a first-timer 
that hits the first shot of the tournament. Ashley Many plays collegiate golf at Arizona State University. She grew up in Singapore, but really got serious with her golf when she moved to Surprise, Arizona. You know, sometimes these questions just write themselves. Ashley, you get the invite in the mail. You're going to Augusta. What would be the best word to describe your immediate reaction? But you can't use the word surprise. That's off the table. I can't use surprise. I guess I would be shocked. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Yeah, I was really shocked. I mean, like, I didn't expect it at all. Um, It was amazing. I mean, I was so excited. So you had this, I mean, you have a really great 2021. You're back-to-back Arizona State match play champion. and, And as a freshman, um, you know, you top five in the national championship at, at Greyhawk for Arizona State University. Now, you know, as well as everyone knows, there were a lot of juniors in the field at ANWA. They'll be entering college golf soon, looking to make the kind of transition that you did from junior golf to collegiate golf. Uh, what, what has been probably the key to your success in making that transition to college golf? I would say just, you know, being on my own, figuring things out for myself and having such a great team and coaches surrounding me, um, that has helped so much too. I mean, it's like a second family, seriously. What what has been kind of the uh, adjustment? I know it's having that family, having that support system behind you, but what have you seen or, about college golf that's different from junior golf, whether it's time management or, uh, you know, a fixed schedule? You know, how do you find that balance? Um, you know, obviously we do have a fixed schedule right now with, you know, practices and workouts and et cetera. And, you know, so just, you know, finding time to do homework and finding time to have a social life and juggling everything else in between, like, you just kind of have to, you know, figure it out by yourself. I mean, good time management always helps. And I mean, you have to enjoy your time. I mean, if you don't love doing it, like it makes it a lot harder, sure. but I love it. So, yeah. So this is your first, obviously this was your first Augusta national women's amateur, lots of first time participants in the field, but only one player gets to hit the first tee shot off of number one at the Augusta national women's amateur. That honor belonged to you. When did you first learn that you would be hitting the first tee shot of, of, of the tournament? I first learned at registration when um, I, well, I didn't know I was hitting the first tee shot, but I actually knew I was in the first group. So I only found out that I was um, hitting the first tee shot once I got on the tee box, actually. Okay. So everyone has to, (laughs) everyone has to deal with first tee jitters. This is first tee jitters, I think on steroids. So uh, when they, when you find that out, I mean, this is something that anyone listening that plays golf can kind of take away as kind of a something to kind of adapt into their own game. Everyone has those first tee jitters. How do you calm yourself down uh, for that first tee shot? I honestly didn't think too much about it because I didn't know what was going on in the moment, like until the entire crowd started coming out and like <laughs> cameras. But I was just, you know, talking to my caddy, talking to my, you know, playing partners. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's just, you know, golf. It's just another swing. I do it all the time. And I just had to focus on the shot I was hitting rather than like everything else going around me. Your caddy during the championship was also your coach, Adam Porzak. And, you know, you made the cut, two solid rounds of 74. 
Have you, just to put in perspective, you've played on the biggest stages, you've played on challenging golf courses before. Do you remember a time or, or was this one of those moments where you just worked exceptionally hard with, with your caddy to navigate through a, a championship like this? Yes. This was a lot of like strategic placing of the golf ball and like um, just yardages had to figure those out as well. Cause there are no range finders. And so a lot of discussion going on, but I think we did a good job. It was a lot of work for sure. A little mentally draining, but it was so worth it. You made the cut. You played the final round at Augusta national. Obviously you didn't have your best performance at Augusta national, but Hey, you made it in your first time, which is a really an incredible achievement. And you get to play not only playing a practice round, that everyone was able to enjoy, but you got to play Augusta national with galleries, with people cheering with, with, you know, you got the full experience. Um, looking back, can you pick out your own special Anwa moment from that day? I would say looking back, the best moment would probably have to be birdieing 16 (laughs) because it was pretty cool. We had a crowd going and, I hit it pretty close and then I made my putt. And I mean, honestly, I didn't have the best final round, um, but I would say that would be the highlight of the round and just, you know, having the experience with like the crowds and getting used to almost like that tour feeling. Sure. Uh, Cause we don't really have like that large of crowds at college events. So yeah, it was a really cool experience. Obviously, this is something you want to uh, experience again. And as a sophomore, you have plenty of plenty of time to uh, get yourself back into the field at the Augusta National Women's Amateur. What uh, what did you learn this year that you will adopt for next year? Definitely, I learned a lot about Augusta and their greens. They're very tricky, and I would also say just like how to handle myself in front of like crowds. Um, it was a really new experience for me. I've played in front of cameras, but not such a large amount of people. So it was definitely a good learning experience. And hopefully next year when I come back, I can uh, apply myself a little better. Should Ashley return to Augusta next year to compete, not only will she be able to draw on this year's experience, but her caddy will as well. Adam Porzak is Ashley's coach and was on her bag this year. This can be a bit of a challenge when you have a coach on the bag that's trying to wear both hats out there on the golf course. When did it first become apparent that you would be on the bag for for her first voyage, so to speak, uh, at Augusta? It's a really cute story, actually. She she I get a text message from her saying, you know, hey, coach, um, even though we've worked hard over you know these these eight months, you know, or so, you know, I I know you haven't know me that long in comparison to some of your other students, but, but would you please, uh, would you want to come to Augusta national with me? <laughs> um, I wrote back, uh, heck yeah. You know, with, I, pre- with, uh, I appreciate you cleaning that up for the purpose of the podcast. I appreciate that. <laughs> oh yeah. You like, you like, you like that. Cause I don't know if it came out exactly like that. Um, but I do know that she was laughing after my response and she was extremely excited as we both were. And, you know, one of the things, Ben, that is, is great about, catting for your player yes do i have to shut off the coaching part of it at some point and when they ask questions of course i have answers but i i try to be as much of a caddy and as just a supporter and somebody who keeps it light out there and and fun and enjoyable um 
but the, you know the biggest the biggest thing for for for, for Ashley uh, was was just we all know how big the situation is. We all know this tournament is a tournament that everybody wants to play in, wants to get to Augusta for that final round, and then wants to win. Um, but the bigger the tournament, the bigger the tournament. What I always try to do is I just try to keep life more normal. <laughs> and um, you know whether it's humor whether it's, um, you know, we always, we always talk about with our players, you know, you just, Hey, it, the, the whole week doesn't have to be a grind, but the 30 seconds that you're going over your golf shot and going through your routine does, you know, for us, for, for, for Ash and for, uh, the week, you know, I go into it always with the intent of just caddying, getting a result that week. But what we love about caddying for our players is it always leads to them getting better in the future. The ability to see them in competition in the biggest of moments to see where their emotions are at, to see how they handle themselves, to see what their tendencies are, and then be able to, as Ash and I are now doing, going back over the week and talking about the things that we can improve upon and get better. And what's so special for her, she's young. We're going to be back next year. So this is a great opportunity for a sophomore who's going to potentially have a couple more years at this event to be able to learn from this week to be able to say, hey, on, on the biggest stage, you know, on the, some of the toughest courses you'll ever play in ladies golf and in golf in general, especially being champions retreat, um, you know, just to be able to see all those little things that she's able to accomplish and all the great things about her game, as well as, you know, some of the things that we really needed to tighten up. And, and now we're able to make a game plan based upon that week. And it will help us get better. So that's that's kind of the goal going forth there. Yeah. So how did you kind of approach um, Champions Retreat? I've talked to a lot of players and, and other caddies, and you know, it's it's one of those narratives that I think it'll be talked about a lot in this episode with with everyone. Like I said, where yeah, the focus is Augusta National, isn't it going to be great? Historic golf course, so much history, but you got to get through Champions Retreat. Now she makes the cut in her first appearance, which is just a yes. really really big accomplishment. You know, how did you kind of quickly decipher the nuances of that course and then communicate it effectively to her in a, I guess, in a caddy role, also a coach's role, but also, like you said, not to make it too big and not to, I guess, for lack of a better term, freak her out. Absolutely. You know, and it, it, what you just said, for lack of a better term, not to freak her out in the weeks leading up. Um, but did I tell her in the weeks leading up that you survived Champions Retreat to then go win at Augusta? Yes, because that's what everybody says about that tournament. You know, all the best players out there will say the same thing. A lot of the staff out there will say the same thing who know the course very well. Um, the one thing about Champions Retreat, and this is how I got coached her up prior to and why it was great being there a year before with Brianna Navarosa. Um, I was able to see that, you know, these greens are elevated <laughs> and short doesn't run up. You land on the green, it runs over and they're rock hard. And they're fast. So people don't realize that these greens, that when they think fast, they think Augusta National. But they forget that Augusta came in with their crew and made sure that they were as close to Augusta's greens as possible. Now, being newer grass and only being a year old, they were firmer than even the year before. So now we're actually on, in my opinion, more difficult greens than Augusta in that just being rock hard and seeing these ladies have to fly the ball in there and landing a lot of times in the middle of a green and then being over. But then when you land short, being short and coming back down the slope. So one thing I said that as a coach 
that's unavoidable. As I said, we need to be fantastic with our distance control this week. And I said, we need to know exactly how far our irons are flying. Something that she added to the repertoire in the weeks leading up was she was getting on track, man, and just getting carry distances. Up until the day before she left, she knew exactly how far each iron was flying. So in the practice rounds, I reconfirmed that. And we at least had a great understanding of what club was going how far. That's number one. So we can hit the front of those greens and keep it on the green. The next thing was the unavoidable part. Your short game. You're going to have to use it. <laughs> okay? Yeah. So, you know, distance control as far as speed control, I should say, on the greens. That was a priority. Making putts inside six feet and having drills done to where we're going to have a lot of putts from four to seven feet for par, even four to ten feet for par. That was a priority. So green reading, speed control. And then just the one thing, if somebody had to tell me what did Ashley do better than most in the field and what got her through, it wasn't her ball striking. It was the feel around the greens. We didn't have one three putt through 36 holes at Champions Retreat. Wow. And her up and downs, Ben, were just incredible. I mean, she just, she missed in the right spots. Don't get me wrong. We, we put ourselves in spots to where we, sh- we could be able to get it up and down because there are some spots around each of those greens where, you know, so when we're out in the fairway, you know, we're basically putting a red X on some of the spots around the greens, right? Half that green, you just can't miss it right? because there is no way to get up and down from that spot. Well, there is, but you probably have to make a 40 foot putt. So with that being said, you know, we, we did a nice job of knowing where we couldn't be. We did a good, even better job. Ash did of putting herself where even if not perfect, a spot that gave her a chance. And, and then she, she was just remarkable, remarkable with her sand wedge and her putting. And, and of course, you know, we, uh, we got to Augusta, she was a little under the weather and that ended up hurting her feel. And that's where, you know, a little bit of the score got away from us is those things that were backing us up the first couple of days didn't show up that last day, but, but to get through champions retreat, that was really the key. Obviously, you guys have done a lot of great work together to get yourself to this final round, and it's the biggest stage of women's amateur golf for for the entire year, uh, you know, arguably. But there have to be moments there where you guys aren't working hard, and you're maybe just walking and kind of like two kids in a candy store saying, "Look where we are! Can you believe this?" Where you got to, you know, shut off the, you know, shut off of golf mode and be just more golf fan mode. Do you have one of those moments? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, and, and especially on that last day, I mean, what happened the whole practice round, first of all, the whole practice round, although we are preparing for the next day, we were really nerding out the whole time. I mean, we, <laughs> we, we were just, we're walking down the left side of hole 13, just staring at the Creek. We just wanted to see how the Creek was weaving in and out and how they had placed the stones strategically to bend and mold with the Creek. And, you know, just sitting there looking at the azaleas. I mean, she, she got caught behind hole number 12 behind the green, you know, I'm sitting there looking at the green, trying to look at breaks. She's sitting there looking at these massive bumblebees and the azalea flowers. Uh-huh. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, Hey, Ash, what's, she is one of the most focused young ladies I've ever been around. And, and I just love how I look back at her back there and her face is like literally six inches from this flower staring right at it and i'm like what are you doing she's like these bumblebees are so big back here (laughs) yeah every everything's prettier and cooler at augusta you know so we we were we were looking at the scenery we were talking with our caddy that first day which was a crack up he had so many stories uh 22 22 years he's been caddying there 
and he was telling us all the uh, all the myths, you know, about how Augusta keeps the azaleas on ice. He goes, no, they might bring in some newbies to, to you know to to specifically bloom for the Masters, but but they're not going to be keeping those babies on ice, you know, and things like that. But we were laughing about the myths. We were also asking like crazy about every little nook and cranny of the golf course. But as far as the day itself, when we were playing, because we were having a pretty tough day uh, reaching Amen Corner. But Amen Corner really was kind of a turning point for us and the enjoyment level of the day. The front nine was really, whoa, what just happened? We just got slapped in the face and right. we are and we are we're hurting right now. We're, we're, we're leaking oil. Um, but, man, you walk up over the hill on number 11 and you look down to that scene, the 11th green, the 12th behind and the 13th fairway crawling back up. And we both looked at each other. She looked at me. I looked at her. We didn't even say a word. We both just shrugged our shoulders and went, yeah, this is good. This is fine. You know, and we, and we both after that really, really enjoyed the day and, and really were able to at least grasp where we were and what an, what a tremendous achievement it was to already be there. Um, and, and that, as you said, you know, putting that in perspective, you said something earlier, Ben, that just, you know, I, I knew this, but phrasing it like that, hey, it's your first time at Augusta, first time in the women's amateur. You made the cut and you're playing Augusta in the final round. I mean, talk about just a tremendous achievement. I think that's when it all set in and we were able to at least be more lighthearted the rest of the way about the way that, that, that we were going about the day. For all the great stories there are about the first timers this year at the Augusta National Women's Amateur, there are also the seasoned veterans that have amassed tremendous resumes on the highest stages of amateur golf. One of those players is Amelia Meliaccio. Amelia, you came into the Augusta National Women's Amateur after a runner-up finish last year, really one of the few players in the field that I guess really got to experience the full grand stage of, of the Augusta National Women's Amateur. You were a member of the 2021 Curtis Cup team. How did you take last year's experience and I guess appropriately channel it into this year's tournament. Yeah, last year's experience for me was huge because in 2019 I had missed the cut and kind of this was a 2021 was a chance for me to get over that hurdle and I was able to play Augusta National and kind of wasn't close to the lead on that final round and just had a really great day and was able to get in contention for a playoff and so this year I felt like just having that experience just built my confidence and the course was pretty hard because the greens were new and quite firm and obviously I mean the result didn't um, match up to you know what I was hoping for what which was to you know bank the cut again play that final round again but Honestly, the scores are so tight and, and it's so competitive that as difficult as it was to miss the cut, I felt like I did a lot of really good things. And it just kind of, I feel like I've played golf for so long now that it's just the nature of sports. You're going to have a, sometimes a couple too many errors, but, um, and that was sort of that week. But overall, I did really feel like playing so well last year helped me in, in the event this year. And it was just really good in my confidence. So. 
Yeah, that had to be a, a, a delicate balancing act because you don't want to set your expectations too high, but you also want to take what you learned the previous year and and help you, you know, ch- you know, channel it and incorporate that into your approach this year. Yeah, exactly. So, and I felt like I did that really well, and you know, just kind of golf. I mean, in the moment, it was like so. It was you know, <laughs> it's it's like so heartbreaking. You're like, oh my gosh, but you know, then you end up chatting with a couple of your friends and you realize that, I mean, it's so much bigger than just your golf score. So it was a great week, had a great time, great time at the brunch house. So thanks for setting that up. Chicken and waffles club is undefeated. So, (laughs) um, most, so most players in the field, you know, they have, you know, brothers or sisters following them. And obviously there's, there's parents and grandparents and a lot of nervous parents and grandparents from what I saw. But I, you know, I can't think of any other player in the field that had their fiance following along. And I walked a couple holes with with your guy Charlie Duran. I think I I helped. I think I helped a little. I think I distracted him just a <laughs> fair amount. Gave him like a little two three hole reprieve to you know to, to talk about some other things. Gave him a little bit of a break. But he was really in it. In fact, I, there was this moment we're walking down. I think it was ten that you were uh, second round. I think you were left of the green on ten. And yep. he said, I hope that we can get this one up and down. And he, the emphasis on we, so I just want to make sure you, you, you picked up on that. <laughs> and I, I didn't want to correct him because I, but because he was, he was feeling it, but how did Charlie do that week? He did so good. He always does great. He's, he usually sends me like a motivational text every day that like during a tournament, that's probably a very, very, very long paragraph of, you got this, you could do this. His, his favorite expression is lock in and I'll, and I'll tease him. So when we play golf together and let's say, you know, he's hitting them right. I'm like, come on, babe, lock in. And I'll like be serious oh, about it. That's so great. And just to mess them. Cause like a little harder to lock in than you think, but oh my <laughs> no, gosh. he's, he's absolutely incredible. Um, I played an Epson tour event in, last fall and he caddied for me on the last day and played really well shot 66 and it was just like so cool to have him on the bag and um just having him support me his family like they're all the same like they're they're just the biggest sports fans you'll meet and the biggest cheerleaders and like they love to watch people play you know play golf play sports and so yeah it's a he did great um, and then next year I'll do a little better, but he can just keep doing great. <laughs> okay. I see. Well, and I'm curious now, did you shoot that 66 or did you and Charlie shoot that 66? <laughs> well, yeah, it's funny. Like there's some times where I kind of let him go through the process with me when, when he's catting, like, okay, I'm going to hit eight iron. And he'll be like, love that for you. <laughs> and then I'll hit it good. And he's like, great, great job. <laughs> so, yeah, I would, I would say I did maybe 90% of that part. But he, he got a solid 10% in there. Well, caddies typically get 10%. So there's yeah, that, there, so. there you go. As your your tournament kind of came to a close, it, you know, as I was leaving on Saturday, it really was absolutely no surprise to me to kind of see you prepare to, to pull double duty at this event. Um, you know, I saw it firsthand at the U.S. Women's Amateur. You lost a, a match, and then in the afternoon, they send you back out as an on-course uh, reporter for Golf Channel. And um, I think I saw you getting mic'd up or doing some prep work for Drive, Chip, and Putt. Is that what you were there for? I didn't have a chance to ask you. So was that your – what was your post-ANWA experience like? Yeah, it was 
really cool and just kind of shows how some things are just meant to be. So I was had planned to do drive, chip, and putt regardless of the outcome of Anwa since it's the Sunday after. Sure. And that was just such a cool experience. Like it was so cute seeing these little seven-year-olds and 14-year-olds chipping. Like I was on the chipping stage, so I just saw them all chip and then um, walked over to the putting green when my um, my station kind of finished. But on let's see, Friday evening after the practice round, I get this text at maybe 9.45 p.m. And it's from someone from Golf Channel. And they're like, hey, I know this is last minute, but we'd love to have you in the studio with Brandel Shamley and Cara Banks. Like, let me know if if um, you're into it. Like, we'll have, <laughs> hair and, we'll have hair and makeup for you and a wardrobe. And I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> like, no, no, yeah, no. You, you, you got to play hard. You got to play hard to get now. Just say, well, let me think about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah right. I'm on it. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, it was so it was so cool and such a like great experience and I'd never done studio work I guess if that's or it's called live from live yeah. from Anwa but right. kind of being in in sort of a studio fashion where you're dressed really nice and um, it's cool because I've you know obviously watched sports where you know you have the analysts and they're all discussing they give their opinions right. and such and I think it's really cool because they obviously have the credibility to talk about stuff and you can listen to their opinions and you value it. And so I was just really curious on how that would go. And it just went incredible. Brandel and I walked through the holes together. He kind of narrated them and he was like, just jump in whenever you want. And I'm like, okay. okay. And it just flowed really nicely. I love how fluid, it's a very fluid environment. You kind of just get thrown on the spot and, and just, you have to really put yourself out there and I'm, pretty good at doing that I feel like so it's kind of a uh just like a great position for me to experience and yeah it was just so much fun I wish I would have seen that because I would have I mean anytime someone goes not goes head to head but anytime someone shares shares that that stage with Brandel Chambly I I like tuning in and watching that I thought um I thought McGinley was is excellent uh, at the Masters with him those two are just Abbott and Costello just going back and forth. I thought, I think it's great. Yeah. And it's cool because like when I was up there, I really did feel like it was a conversation. I mean, yes, it's formal and yes, you're discussing, but it's not like we had prepared things we were going to say, like, yeah, we had general stuff, but it was just like, okay, we're going to do the whole locations. And so it was really cool at actually how natural and authentic it seemed. And it was. A lot of more of those opportunities heading your way, obviously. So that should be uh, should be very exciting for you. Um, now, I want to ask you, so growing the women's game, it's a phrase that has been obviously thrown around uh, quite a bit. It's a big initiative in, in the world of golf. And, and the U.S. National Women's Amateur is really, it's kind of a one of the physical manifestations of that objective. And, you know, you have this incredibly unique experience where you get to see it inside the ropes and you're also kind of outside the ropes. You're you know, just as you mentioned, you're, you're working with Golf Channel. You're seeing it from every single vantage point that you can imagine. If you were to guess where you see ANWA in the next five years, ten years, where where do you think it could get to? Yeah, I've actually ref- reflected on that phrase, growing the game, too, because sometimes you hear phrases and they're just – 
you hear them a lot and they're very kind of abstract but you don't like break it down and what it exactly means right. and just hearing it so much during annual and during drive to Pimp cut because they had like a dinner before the event i really understood like what it meant and it's like you know having these tournaments, having Anwa, having Drive to Pimput, what Augusta National is doing is they're giving an opportunity for young players to dream and to dream big and then to get into golf, to be inspired to play golf. And so just, it was really cool for me to just like have that revelation on, um, on just like how the game is growing from these events and being a part of the events was just really cool. And I don't know. I feel like you can't predict Augusta National, except that oh, sure. whatever whatever they will do in five years will just be so spectacular. Like you can't dream up. Um, I mean, I know they're always trying to have the best people, like you know, young players, role models, and stuff. In 2019, they had Lorena and Annika Sornstam, Nancy Lopez, like having a panel, having events, making, making the players feel just so special. And I mean, I can attest to that, that they did such a great job at that because like I didn't make the cut, but I didn't feel any less than because they honored everyone in the field just so well. And it's a great point. Yeah. It's just like so cool to see what they're doing and for me like I also see as working on the broadcasting side of golf like players have come up to me and asked about it asked about broadcasting um and it was really cool because like Latana Stone and Annika Seumanatafa they were both talking to me and Annika is doing it getting an internship and in kind of like sports broadcasting like locally and Latana was telling me that she'd been kind of inspired by like what I have done and like was, you know, thinking about, you know, maybe doing golf channel at some point. And so it's really cool because like there are other ways, like you can get people into golf. That's not just like turning pro and Augusta national really like priding amateurism. Um, it's like, it's just like cool to see like how many avenues of growing the game you can like go about. Yeah, and I, and I, the thing that I like is that it is such a, like you said, the phrase "growing the game." It can be done in many different ways. I think that, of course, you have to get clubs into kids' hands. You need to get them on golf courses, on driving ranges. You need to make things available for them so they can actually, you know, play the game itself. But I think equally as important, you have to have a massive, massive stage that is very relatable, and they can aspire to reach that level uh, because they've seen it done. Like they've seen the, the mega Ganes and the Alexa Panos go yeah. from drive chip and putt to Anwa. And it's a massive stage. It's not an intimidating stage. Like you can get here. This, this is within your reach. And I think that's just as equally as important when it comes to growing the game, it has to be more than just, you know, here's a seven iron and a bucket of balls and come over on Saturday at 10 a.m. and we can, you can hit some. It needs to be, it needs to be bigger. And it is bigger. Yeah, exactly. And I also think it's really cool. Just like, you know, my peers and my friends, like all of the Instagram posts after Anwal, a lot of them were saying, you know, to all the young players out there, to all the young girls dream big because yeah. you can be here one day. And so it's cool that like, 
my generation really recognizes like the importance of promoting like the opportunities that are out there and like just pushing you know young girls and young boys to dream big and to think about the opportunities that are there for them um well I just think that's it was just like so cool to see everyone's posts and how Anwa meant to them like personally and each each person's little story was a little different so it was really cool to read all that I definitely enjoyed watching that as well you mentioned um you mentioned amateurism so you are I mean, your next year is going to be incredible. You're returning to Wake for one <laughs> final year of eligibility. You're like the Van Wilder of the women's uh, collegiate. You know, just I just want one more year. I just want to come back. Um, yep, you know, never leaving, actually. Never, I'm, never... I'm just staying in college. <laughs> okay, okay, perfect. Um, well, I mean, at least you get one more final year of eligibility and one more run at a national championship. Got to stay in the present. I know that we like throwing that around, too, in the in the game of golf, but – could you like potentially see yourself working towards an ANWA invite for the next five to 10 years, perhaps leading a, you know, a, a new resurgence of women's, um, you know, at some point you're going to be a mid-am, but I mean, do, do you see that as a potential for you? Cause that's obviously one of the, you know, one of the factions of the, or one of the segments of the amateur game that is probably the least represented, the women's mid-am game. That is the dream. If I could play Anwa for the next 10 years, it would be so cool. I mean, yeah, like, I'm so excited to to be back and to play again at Wake. Being kind of like taking a break from competition for a year, it was a break I needed because I needed to understand, like, why I love competition so much. Like, I love the feeling of being on the first tee. And I think when you play, like, tournaments for so long, sometimes it can be like that feeling can be lost. Like why, you know, you're playing golf and, you know, I'm playing golf to test my limits to see like, how can I sustain my game at its peak for, you know, an entire tournament. So yeah, I'm definitely, you know, thinking about the national championship for my team. I hope they, they get it done this year, but I'm going to do everything I can to help them get it done the year I'm there. And if I could, you know, get into ANWA again for the fourth time, that would just be incredible. So yeah, I, I definitely see that. Like those are sort of aspiring dreams I'm working towards and goals. But like you said, obviously, you know, you take it day by day, but it's the, it's the bigger goals and dreams that, you know, make have you wake up in the morning and, and get you to do what you do, you know, practicing in the rain and stuff like that so not to i mean since i'm putting you in the spot let's just let's just keep it rolling how much work does charlie need to do to get to earn to earn the the bag at a, at a future annual i mean is, is he close well it's funny you say that i oh, mean boy. i think by that time he'll almost be my husband so i think we got to give him the opportunity <laughs> no but like i really i've already told my mom that i I want Charlie to be on the bag. And for me, like it's the experience of, I mean, I, I got to play well, you know, regardless of, right. of, of who's caddying for me. I, I know how to play golf. I know how to like calculate yardages and stuff, but if I could, you know, play well and have him caddy for me at Augusta national, I mean, I experienced that with my mom and I would, do anything to experience that with him like having his family watch and my family watch would just be so cool and my mom's already she's like super happy and excited so <laughs> that's the plan 
Um, and you know, him and I will get it done together. It'll be a, <laughs> we will do it. We will do it. I love, see so you're already, you're, this, this is interesting though. This could be, I mean, next year it could, I would guess. Yeah, it has to be the first husband and wife duo at Anwa in history. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. We'll have to see. I mean, we're getting married in June, so it will be like an almost husband. But who oh, knows? Maybe, maybe. Maybe they. I think they could. Beyonce. I, 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 I think they could move Anwa to after your wedding, don't you think? No. <laughs> yeah, oh. obviously. Yeah, just around my schedule. You know. I mean, I'm clearly up there. <laughs> okay, we'll see if we can get that done. But no, that's that's awesome. I'm not sure if Augusta National is technically available as a wedding venue. But it does sound like Amelia and Charlie are certainly planning on returning to the Anwa in 2023 as soon-to-be newlyweds. That brings us to the end of part one of the Magnolia Memories series. Don't worry, you're not going to have to wait for parts two and three. They are already available in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening to The Back of the Range for the first time, go check out thebackoftherange.com where you can find other episodes featuring the best players in amateur golf. Thank you to everyone that has already shared their stories thus far in this series. I am your host, Ben Adelberg, and we'll see you next time here at the Back of the Range.